This is Taekwon Lewis. You're listening to Dash to the Draft on Sports Crunch. Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D-Prime, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Well, the 2018 NFL Draft is just over three weeks away, and the table is being set as we speak for what should be a dramatic night on April 26th. And in that spirit today... We conclude the positional breakdown installment of our 2018 Dash to the Draft series with a dive into this defensive line and edge rushing class. And we have just the guy to help us analyze this crop of talent. He is our good friend, Nick Kendall, NFL draft analyst for milehighhuddle.com. And since he is one of the best analysts when it comes to offensive line, defensive line, and edge play, we like to call him Dr. Trenches. So welcome back to the program, Dr. Trenches. How are you? I am doing pretty well. The, uh, Work's been pretty crazy for me at the University of Iowa. I have a big presentation on Friday and been working along on a project on that and then the draft on top of it. So it's just been a it's been a crazy month and it's gonna be crazy up until the draft. But man, I, I'm just I'm ready for it to get here. I'm also ready for the weather to turn around. If you're in Chicago as well, you know you know my pain. It's been a, a dreary end of March, beginning of April, and it doesn't look like it's gonna get better anytime soon. Oh, I totally feel you, Nick. And it is dreary right now, but hopefully the sunshine comes sooner than we think. But in the meantime, let's bring some symbolic sunshine back into the room by talking some football here. And let's begin with uh, arguably the top edge rusher in this class. And that is Bradley Chubb, the phenom from North Carolina State. Many view Bradley Chubb as a surefire blue chip prospect. However, based on conversations we've had in the past, you don't seem as high on him as others. Why is that? I do like Bradley Chubb as a player. He is my edge rusher one. And personally, if I was in charge of the Broncos and Mayfield, Darnold, and Rosen are gone and Chubb is on the board, Chubb is probably my pick. But that said, I think Chubb is just a just a tier under some of the top edge rushers over the past five, six, seven years. You know, you have guys that have gone in the top five, you know, Von Miller, Jadavian Clowney, Cleo Mack. Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, and all those guys, they, not all of them showed the, the consistent tape that Chubb has put out, but they all had just freakish athleticism and upside that were in frames or athletic packages that I just do not see in Chubb. Chubb, to me, is a very safe pick. He's going to be a solid NFL player for a long time. I just don't see him as that can't-fire, can't-miss you know, game wrecker on the edge where each and every week you have to, you game plan around that player in college. You know, he can be that kind of guy because he is, you know, top 10 talent in this draft, but I don't see him as that level of a talent in the NFL, but however, he does have a very high floor. And if you can pair him with another dominant edge rusher on the other side, such as a miles Garrett or a Von Miller, I think he could be a phenomenal player. I just don't think he is a, standalone edge threat on a great defense. Yeah, I definitely see your point. Plus, a lot of people have compared him to Derek Barnett, who went 14th overall to the Eagles last year and played a key role in that Super Bowl victory. Uh, Do you agree with that comparison? I think he's better than Garnett. I think he's closer to Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings, who is one of the better 4-3 edge rushers in the NFL. He's just not in that tier where you're like, well, you – Everybody knows his name. You know, people who aren't even football fans know Von Miller. You know, the people who are not hardcore fans know Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack. People who aren't, you know, Vikings fans or really following the league don't know 
Everson Griffin. Still a really good player, a guy that you want to have on your defense, that's for sure. But I just don't see him as a primary edge rusher on a great defense. Last year, he would have been, based on his tape where he's at this year, last year, and he wouldn't have been one of my top three defensive players on the board. I would have had Solomon Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, and Miles Garrett above him. And looking at players next year, I honestly think there are three or four guys in the 2019 class on the defensive side of the ball that would be rated higher than him, such as, obviously, Ed Oliver, who's already getting crazy hype, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Nick Bosa. So Bradley Chubb is good. I just think that because there's not really just some elite front seven players, defensive line specifically, in this year's class, that it is raising him up. He's a good player. I don't think he is a true generational type of talent. Yes, and that Everson Griffin comparison was also uh, tossed out by Jordan Reed, who we had on the program just a couple weeks back. Mm. And the second best edge rusher of this class is probably Harold Landry of Boston College. And uh, as Peter Schrager noted in one of his mocks for NFL.com, he says that Landry is uh, skyrocketing up draft boards right now. Yes, he had a down 2017 year because of some injuries, but his tape the prior two years uh, speaks volumes. And... uh, and a lot of teams love him, and I personally believe he will he will go in the top 15 at the very least, but he could go even earlier given the importance of the edge-rushing position. So, uh, so let's do a little hypothetical scenario here. Say you're the Browns at four. Do you think the gap between Bradley Chubb and Harold Landry is small enough for you to trade down with, say, Buffalo at 12 and let Harold Landry fall to you instead? I think you could risk that, but if you want that edge rusher, I don't think personally I would risk it because like, I I think that Harold Landry and Chubb, they're different. Harold Landry is more of a a two point stance kind of guy, more of an elite bender, great flexibility where, and I think probably has higher upside as a nine technique edge rusher, you know, a little bit more bendy athletic on the outside, but then you got Chubb who's more of an all around guy. So it depends on how you want to compliment the guy. They're not, exactly the same and I wouldn't be surprised if both of them go top 10 and honestly you said top 15 I don't think at his floor the very latest he will go in my opinion is 14 to the Packers so there's been some talk as high as eight to the Bears recently so edge rusher I mean it's the second most valuable position in the NFL you go quarterback edge rusher slash interior guy you know if you have a great guy like Aaron Donald obviously an offensive tackle so I could see him going top 10 We'll see. I mean, Raiders would be an interesting fit. I could see the 49ers, and just because how important it is to get after that quarterback in today's game and having guys with dominant skill set or a single dominant trait where you have Landry and that ability to bend the corner, it just makes him so valuable and unique. And after going back and look at it as tape from his junior year compared to last year, as well as showing out at the combine and answering all those questions, I he's definitely a top 15 player. And I if he gets past the Packers, it's it's a abomination somebody messed up uh yes i completely agree i have been mocking harold landry to the packers at 14 myself as well but uh once again uh just to clarify how big of a gap do you think there is between uh bradley chubb and harold landry i don't think the gap is monumental i think chubb though is a more all-around player and they're just not exactly the same they both play edge but chubb is more of that strong side edge i think he can play in a three four but He's better in a 4-3, in my opinion. Granted, you know, fronts are so versatile these days that it's the lines are very blurred between those. And Landry, I think he's more of the, the pure pass rusher. He has had issues stopping the run. So it depends on what you need specifically. 
personally for me, I don't, I think there is a tier difference there, but it's not crazy. And if the Browns really wanted to trade down and the bills offered them a deal too good to pass up, I would think long and hard about it because not only do you have a guy like Landry who could be there, but then, you know, there's also rumors that they are very high on Denzel Ward as well. And potentially getting a guy like McGlinchey who could help fill in the, the monumental hole that Joe Thomas left. So it's definitely something to consider when you have guys like that. But Chubb is definitely a tier above Landry just because he's a more well-rounded player. And I think he's more versatile and has a higher floor. Uh, yes. And I've also heard for the record that the Browns are going to be very hesitant to trade down if Bradley Chubb is still there at four, but Bradley Chubb could go as early as two to the Giants as uh, there've been murmurs about that as well. So uh, Bradley Chubb uh, could be the first non-quarterback off the board on April 26th. And as we implied earlier, both you and I, this edge class is arguably the weakest in years, but given the importance of the position, uh, many are likely to get overdrafted. And two guys that are candidates to go off the board in the late portion of round one are two athletic freaks in Marcus Davenport of UT San Antonio and Josh Sweat of Florida State, who made a lot of noise at the combine. Uh, compare and contrast each of these uh, athletics freaks and tell us who would you rank higher on your board and why this is a nuanced answer because there's information that i just simply do not have from where i'm sitting it would come down to me for josh sweat's medicals i would need my team doctors to give the okay saying that he looks fine that the long-term projections are good because his tape is good there are some inconsistencies and his get off and i do think the injury has impacted him but he has freak athletic ability that goes along with size. And I really think that he, I mean, he honestly might end up the best head rusher in this class. Like he has that athletic ability. It's just not there on tape right now. His get off is a little bit inconsistent. He needs to work on his ability to disengage. I have seen some bend from him, but it's not, it's not Harold Landry level. But when you compare that to, or when you combine that with his size and his athleticism, he has, some crazy tools. Also, he put up numbers against good competition. So if medicals come back clean, definitely give me sweat. Marcus Davenport, he's he's a guy who's more Tarzan than Jane right now, at least from what I saw on tape. He's he does not win consistently enough and rule number one one oh one for trench play. Doesn't win the leverage battle consistently. He stands up way too quickly. And when he does that, he gets up out of his stance and offensive tackles and get under his pads. And because he's so much stronger and more athletic compared to the guys he's going against when he was at uh, UTSA, he was able to get away with it. But then you saw him at the senior bowl and he was just getting, you know, controlled at the point of attack time and time again. So Davenport, he's definitely has some upside, but I think he was filling in a hole (laughs) in the, draft media because we're looking for some more edge rushers to talk about. And there was this athletic guy that was potential, you know, they, when he was first listed coming out, they said, Oh my gosh, a six foot seven edge rusher. This guy's going to be a freak. And then he's what is he? Six, five, six, four and a half. So I, I would definitely take sweat depending on the medicals, but both, both of them give me concerns for different reasons. Yes, I completely agree. But like I said, because of the importance of the position, both are likely to get overdrafted. And another edge prospect that has become one of the darlings of draft Twitter in recent weeks and months is Lorenzo Carter from Georgia. Uh, Josh Norris, the uh, NFL draft analyst for rotoworld.com, he has Carter as his 20th overall prospect on his big board. Some in the NFL believe he could grow into a productive pass rusher, although he's apparently better in space right now than he is hunting down quarterbacks, a la Hassan Reddick, who went 13th overall to the Arizona Cardinals uh, last year. 
Uh, do you think uh, Lorenzo Carter could be a threat off the edge, or is his long-term role in the NFL more like that of Hassan Reddick's? It really depends on what the coaches want him to do. I really feel like Georgia missed an opportunity not using him as much as an edge rusher at Georgia. You know, he kind of rotated with uh, Bellamy, and he played that that three four edge, you know, stand up. But a lot of times he would flare out into his own coverage, whether it be in the flat or even play some man coverage. And he had the athleticism to do that. I mean, for a guy that size to see him move like he did, it was was pretty special. I don't know if you heard me go on about Lorenzo Carter before the combine, but I've been pounding the table saying this guy's an athletic freak. I wouldn't be surprised if after the combine he gets first round talk. First round talk for me is a little bit rich, but when you consider the need for the position and the tools he has and the success of former Georgia heightweight speed freak edge rusher in uh, Floyd with the Bears, there's there's going to be some intrigue there. I am concerned if he has the know-how to be an edge rusher. I mean, you see, you've seen some guys like that ha- that have been raw, that have been long like that, but haven't had the just the know-how to bend the edge and win at that point of attack on the edge, such as Deion Jordan, for instance. But you know, if you get him in and he vibes with your coaches, and you need a pass rusher, especially top of round two, that's that's where I would be looking to take him. I would be very happy and hopeful that Carter could turn into something. But you got to trust your coaches and your edge rushers as well. I don't. I wouldn't want him to come in and be your primary edge rusher day one because it's going to be. I think it's going to be a couple years before you find out whether or not he can be that guy. Most definitely. And where is the highest do you think he'll be drafted? Uh, you said uh, top of round two, but is but can you see him going at the uh, tail end of round one? Oh, absolutely. People fall in love with height, weight, speed guys all the time. So I could see a team, I mean, New England takes guys like that, and, and you know they have a very small draft board, but if he fits on their board and he's a guy they want, I could see them going there. I could see a team like the Saints looking at him or a team like the Titans or the Falcons, all, all these teams that are in the back end of the first round, the, the better playoff teams, they tend to have the – they can afford the opportunity to take upside players at positions of value like cornerback, like edge rusher, and Lorenzo Carter makes sense in that. You know Whether or not he's a monumental bust or ever lives up to the, the draft slot, that remains to be seen. But a lot of times these teams, especially when you have – already some established guys there can take a chance on a guy like that and hope that the culture and the coaching and everything works itself for the best and you get a steal there at the end of the first round and moving on from edge rushers to the defensive line and starting with the defensive tackles there are two defensive tackles many expect to go in the first round uh if not as high as the top 15 or 16 picks and they are Vitavia of washington uh, forgive me if i mispronounced that name and if i mispronounced it uh uh, his his real name is even longer than than what what I said. Is Adam Schefter has been uh, emphasizing on Twitter the past few days, and I still can't pronounce it right. Uh, just letting our folks know. And the other is Duran Payne from Alabama. However, when it comes to players like uh, Vitavia and Duran Payne, uh, the proverbial question always is: Are they capable pass rushers, or are they just two down run stuffers? I remember in 2016. Most of draft Twitter was expecting two other Alabama defensive tackles and Jaron Reed and Ashawn Robinson to go in the first round, but they fell around two because the league viewed them as only two down players. In which category do Via and Payne belong in? I wouldn't surprise you if one of them was available on day two. I think Via is a first round player. I do think that 
some people look at his size and mispeg him. I don't have him as a nose tackle at the next level, a one technique, a zero technique. I think he does best working off a guy who can occupy multiple blockers and then attack. It's that power at the point of attack, 1v1 versus guard, that makes Villa just a a wrecking ball up the middle. I'd love to see him play in a 4-3 where he can be that three technique and really attack that B gap. And he he's going to go top 20 to me. I don't see him falling to the second unless something came out about some medical condition or some issues about his weight or something, but I don't see any issues there personally. Drawn Payne's another one. I honestly, when I watch Alabama's line, Drawn Payne's good, but I don't see explosive and explosive skill set that makes me think round one player. I'd, he might go round one at the end, but I don't think many teams, if any team will have a round one grade on him, if that makes sense. He, I think he's somewhat limited and he played great in the playoffs but at the same time, it seemed like Raekwon Davis was starting to get more and more attention as well, freeing up Payne to win some one-on-ones. And I think Raekwon Davis is the guy who's going to be the the stud on that defensive line from this season. But Deron Payne, he's going to be a solid player. He'll offer some, but I just don't see the pass rushing, see him as a pass rushing proficionado compared to a potential guy like Via or even the upside of a guy like uh, Taven Bryan or Maurice Hurst. And speaking of Maurice Hurst, uh, many people believe that Maurice Hurst is the best interior pass rusher in this class. And interior pass rush is almost as important as an edge pass rush these days. And Hurst's draft stock appeared to be in serious jeopardy after he was diagnosed with an apparent heart condition at the Combine. However, in recent weeks, cardiologists at Harvard and the University of Michigan cleared him in time for the Michigan Pro Day, and his stock appears to have recovered. Uh, current Bills defensive tackle Starla Tulele had a very, very similar experience in the lead-up to the 2013 draft, and he ended up being a top-15 pick. If Maurice Hurst's medical rechecks come back clean, is he worth a top-15 pick? I think if he was in the 2013 draft, which Starla Tulele was in, he would be, because that was one of the worst draft classes in the past 15 years at the top of the first round, at least in the top of the draft in the first round. But this year, I don't know. I think he's a little bit scheme-specific. I don't think he can play four or five technique. I don't think he's going to be great as a zero or one. I think he's pretty much limited to that three due to some size issues. I mean, he does. he's not super long. He's not really much of an anchor guy. But, you know, same could have been said about Aaron Donald coming out. I don't. He's obviously not as athletic as Aaron Donald, but he's going to be put in the right situation, the right scheme. And I think he'll still end up a first-round player especially because those heart checks came back clean, but I don't have him as a super elite interior pass rusher. You know, he does have some flashes where he really gets off the line and he wins the leverage battle pretty consistently, good, pretty good with his hands. But I feel like he can get washed off from time to time as well. I don't know if it has to do with his power or his size. It could be both. I, don't, I haven't looked at the all 22 from him to see that, that backside angle. But I think that you know, somebody, again, he's, he's going to go to one of those playoff teams that's looking to add to his strength or just get better at a position of value, and he's going to come in and be brought along as a rotational player, most likely on the inside, and develop as a pass rusher and get even better. And some team at the end of the first round is going to look pretty smart for taking him because that's a valuable position, and he will slip farther than he probably should have. Uh, yes, and a team that I could see taking him at 30, especially if there are no offensive linemen on the border they're liking, is the Minnesota Vikings. I think they could really use him to keep Sheldon Richardson fresh and add some much-needed depth to that very talented defensive front four. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always a good idea. I mean, we've been seeing it with the the Rams and the Eagles this year, you know, adding adding two strengths. It's not only about using the draft to fill in your weaknesses. It's about to get your strengths even stronger. So that's that makes a lot of sense. Michael Lombardi and many other GMs hopefully would agree with that, Nick. And uh, you mentioned David Bryan. You are arguably his biggest fan. But as freakishly athletic and super promising a player that David Bryan is, he has his fair share of doubters. Uh, people say, well, he has an elite first step, but what does he have after that? Uh, people have criticized his uh, lack of a football IQ, his lack of a so-called pass rush agenda, and his overall uh, inconsistency. And I remember at the Senior Bowl, I was uh, attending a live uh, recording of Matt Miller's Stick to Football podcast, Matt Miller for Bleacher Report. And he essentially described David Bryan as Rashid Hageman 2.0, the second round bust for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they took him in 2014. What is your rebuttal? to all the Taven Bryan doubters out there, and why will Taven Bryan grow into the special player that Rasheed Hagman has failed to become? Well, obviously, for a guy like Taven Bryan, who is raw, still learning the game, where he lands is as important as any factor. You know, if he goes to a team and he's not surrounded by a coach that can improve his awareness, improve some of his hand technique, because when his push-pull is magnificent. I mean, he can really control some guys at the point of attack. And I think he's versatile enough to one gap or two gap. But that F, that awareness is definitely a question. And also speaking with him at, at the combine, he did come off a little bit, I don't want to say childish, just, you know, he's, he's still, you can tell he's still a little bit of a goofy kid. So is, is he going to get to that next level? Is he going to put in that work? I mean, his father is, was a Navy SEAL and he's been a volunteer fire, fireman up in Wyoming right? Wyoming. Yes. Not Montana, Wyoming. I always get those two confused. Sorry, Great Plains State listeners. <laughs> and I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of him still. I am, I come from the philosophy for defensive linemen that disruption is production. And while Taven Bryan was inconsistent, you know, there's times when he can get, lose his balance and get totally knocked back or open up a big hole. That was the, the defensive scheme of Florida. They asked him to penetrate upfield as quickly as possible and just try to create chaos in the backfield. And sometimes that would work brilliantly. Sometimes you saw him make plays in the backfield that are absolutely jaw-dropping. But other times, it created big gaps. And if the guy next to him wasn't able to fill in, you're seeing guys run for 20, 30 yards before they're even touched. So I think Taven, if he, I, I was honestly surprised when he came out because of how raw he was on tape. And it makes sense given how amazing the next year's interior defensive line class looks. But... I still think he has as high of potential in this class as any interior defensive line. But again, when I scout these players, I look for I look through them, look at them through a Denver Broncos lens. So if you're looking for that interior penetrating four four five technique type that can be a one gap penetrator and can, also has the strength to hold hold up at the point of attack as well. Still a little bit raw, but again, as a Bronco person, you got to trust Bill Kolar with developing those guys along, and. I think worst case, he's kind of a guy like Adam Gotsis as a player where you know he has that length, has that size, and he can really control and attack as well. But I, I still see some penetrating abilities and you know, God-given athleticism that could make him one of the better interior defensive linemen in this class. He is Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen, NFL draft analyst for milehighhuddle.com. And Nick, it's now time to play one of my favorite games this time of year. It's called Buy or Sell, and I am going to uh, – 
uh, say the name of a prospect we haven't mentioned yet in the broadcast, and you uh, tell us whether you buy or sell his draft stock and long-term NFL potential, starting with uh, Kamoko Ture, an edge rusher from Rutgers. Buy or sell? Buy if used early on sparingly as a pass rushing specialist. Uh, how about Joe Ostman of Central Michigan? I'm not going to bet against that kid. I'm going to buy. Uh, why are you going to buy on Joe Ostman? He is very productive on tape. He's apparently just a workaholic. I know he measured in with very short arms. I think it was like 31 and a half. But I think he's going to come in, and worst case, he's going to be a solid special teams guy and work in rotation, and you're not going to have to use a high draft capital on him anyways. So I'm fine bringing that guy into the locker room day three and you know, hoping that you get the best out of him because I don't think – I think he's going to squeeze out every bit of his ability that he possibly can. How about Uchenna Nwosu of USC? I'm going to sell on him as an edge rusher and buy on him as an off-ball guy, but there's a little bit of risk there because that's some projection. I mean, he did go to USC originally as a safety, and again, you're talking about Lorenzo Carter earlier being a guy who was better playing in coverage. I saw the same thing with Nwosu, so I think he's going to have to transition to be more of an off-ball type. He probably can play that uh, on the line of scrimmage, Sam type, but that's exceedingly rare. That guy is not also a strong pass rusher in today's NFL. So it's a, it's a lukewarm buy as an off ball. How about Sam Hubbard of Ohio state? Ooh, I will buy Sam Hubbard day two. I don't think he's a day one player, but he looks like a solid edge rusher and you can have that strong side edge in a four, three. I think he's going to be a good one there. Uh, Duke edge four of wake forest by yourself. I will. See, there's a good guys. I'll buy him as well, but specifically more of a strong side edge in a 4-3. You have to know what type of player you're getting with him. Yes, and uh, Eric Alco really loves this guy. Uh, Jeff Holland out of Auburn, buy or sell? I like Jeff Holland a fair amount. I don't think I would take him super early, but if he's there end of round three, beginning of round four, and you're looking for a pass rusher, I think he could be very effective. Uh, yes, and effective in uh, what kind of system uh, to be specific? I think he could probably play in either system, but if you're playing him 4-3, he's going to need to come come around a little bit more in pass rushing situations as he works on setting the edge. And moving on to the big, beefy guys in the middle, and this guy is one of the most inspiring stories in this draft class. Uh, apparently, he was working uh, construction a couple of years ago and was thinking about quitting football, but, not, but after splashing at the senior bowl and at the combine, he has a a golden opportunity to be selected in as early as round two. He is Nathan Shepard of Fort Hayes State. Buy or sell? I'll buy Shepard round three. He's guy violent hands. Again, one of those guys that had football taken away from him and is going to do everything he possibly can in his power to succeed. And by all accounts, I mean, speaking with him at the Combine, very intelligent, fun, charismatic guy. So I'm I'm really pulling for him. And he's another one that fits the Broncos defensive line profile. So that would be a, a fun player to get in Denver if it so happens to fall that way. Yes. And another guy the Broncos could be attracted to, Foley Fatakasi of Connecticut. Buy or sell? For Lorenzo Fatakasi. Fatakasi. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, I'm, I'm a fan of him. I think he is versatile enough. I, I wish he was a little bit more athletic so he could play that 3-4 defensive end spot at a higher regularity. But I don't know if that's just there. But he has length, he has power, he can reset the line of scrimmage, and I, I'm going to buy him probably round four. I, I'm a big fan of his game. 
Yeah, this guy has uh, been quite polarized. He got draft Twitter. Some people say he could be a late, late first round pick. Others uh, say wait until day three. Tim Settle of Virginia Tech, buy or sell? I like the flashes that I saw, and there were some inconsistencies. I know he's super young, but the flashes were intriguing. Saw him at the combine, tested poorly. I, I don't think he interviewed the best either, from what I've heard. And I, he just looks, I mean, again, it's the Underwear Olympics, but he looks sloppy, if that makes sense. You know, he carries a lot of baby weight. So being young and everything, you know, he's going to be, I don't think you're going to see a huge impact from him day one. Now that said, you know, a lot of these guys are so dependent on where they land. So if you get him in a system where he's not brought along too quickly and can work that body and he puts in the work, he has flashes where he could be a good player. But right now, I, I personally think he'll go higher than I'd be willing to touch him. And a guy who I saw at the Senior Bowl, uh, one of Bradley Chubb's teammates at North Carolina State, B.J. Hill, buy or sell? I'm going to buy B.J. Hill. Violent hands, better three-cone than Bradley Chubb, which is crazy for such a big guy and so strong. I mean, it's I feel bad for him because, obviously, you know he has a better opportunity playing a guy like Chubb next to him. But because Chubb's there, if people are watching your game, a lot of times they're not watching you. And going back and watching Hill, I mean, he is just so strong. I, I've i heard some comparisons of uh, Levinola Joseph, who's arguably one of the top 10 defensive tackles in the NFL, especially as a run stuffer. I don't know if he's that good, but I think the best football is still ahead for B.J. Hill. And I, I would be a big fan of bringing him in, especially if you're looking for a guy that can come in and just open up spots for your linebacker because he's so powerful at the line of scrimmage. And another uh, defensive uh, tackle or defensive end, depending on what uh, front you put him in, who is rising up draft boards at the moment, is R.J. McIntosh of Miami, buy or sell? He's very raw still. He has some issues. You know, sometimes he's, again, one of those guys that will stand up too quickly and forget that he has hands that he can use. But I like his athletic skill set, and I think he could develop into a very good player in any type of scheme, one gap or two gap. And it's that one gapping scheme that's more more valuable today than ever. So I think he can do that and be a versatile piece. I don't think I take him because he is still raw until the top of day three, but he could develop into a starter a couple years down the line. That could be a very effective player. And a small school prospect that is uh, making a lot of rounds on draft Twitter as of late, PJ Hall of Sam Houston State, buy or sell? I will buy him in a specific gap penetrating scheme he kind of i mean right now i think he profiles potentially as like a grady jarrett type where he is very very small but don't let the size fool you the dude's a great athlete and he gets after the quarterback and creates disruption and can get in the backfield and that's that's what you're looking for i probably don't take him until round four or five personally if i was in charge just because the competition level and he doesn't fit my personal size metrics but I mean, he could end up being a great player in that small penetrating defensive tackle role, just like Grady Jarrett. Another guy who helped himself tremendously the senior bowl, Andrew Brown of Virginia, buy or sell? I am going to sell just based on some character concerns I've heard about him having clashes with head coaches and guys trying to like improve his technique. And he's literally getting in shouting arguments and sounds like potential fights with coaches. So the tape is intriguing, although it's very maddenly inconsistent, but I trust what I heard that he's had some issues with coaches. So I'm going to sell on that one. 
And last but not least, it would be a disgrace if we didn't mention our good friend Taekwon Lewis, who uh, whose voice you hear at the beginning of our Dash of the Draft series for 2018. What do you think about Taekwon Lewis? Do you buy or sell? I like Taekwon Lewis. I also like Jalen Holmes. I again, a couple guys that were overshadowed. They were they had an issue because there was so much talent on their defensive front that they didn't really get to showcase as much. Um, Jalen Holmes, Taekwon Lewis, I think both can be good players at the next level, both probably day three players. But again, that's they could develop into something pretty nice. And when people were laughing at uh, Shiano when he said that his defensive front was more talented at Ohio State than any he'd ever had as the Tampa Bay head coach. And, I mean, we laughed at it at the time, but, you know, potentially four or five years down the road when you've got guys like Draymond Jones and Nick Bosa still there, and these guys coming out this year, I mean, it, it might be true. So we'll see that that Ohio State offense, defensive line was absolutely incredible outside of NC State and, of course, Clemson. That was probably the best defensive line in the NFL. And Sam Darnold sure felt that in the, the bowl game. He most certainly did. And he is Nick Kendall, ladies and gentlemen. MileHighHuddle.com. Catch his NFL draft analysis there. And you can catch him on Twitter at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. Nick, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. And we hope to have you back on again very soon. Take care. Hey, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully the weather turns around soon and the Broncos get our guy. Take care, Nick, and hopefully for the Broncos' sake, they do. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Stay with us these next 22 days as we preview the draft plans of all 32 teams on a division-by-division basis, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive, including our 100th episode special, my interview with longtime NFL scout Greg Gabriel, as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Nick, especially since there's never, never an off-season for talking football. For Nick Kendall, our producer Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromelo saying so long, and of course, stay awesome.